0: Hey guys, in this episode, you're gonna hear an inspirational story on what it takes to get sober, and of course, how that leads to having a more joy in your life. So if you're looking to learn these things, you're definitely not gonna wanna miss this episode, and I have a special bonus for you at the end of the show. recover, we are returning to a normal state of health, mind or strength. We begin the process of regaining control over something that was lost. Welcome to the Road Beyond Recovery podcast. And my name is Tamar, your host. Have you ever felt like you were meant for more? Well, I help people discover their purpose so they can follow their passion and realize what they are truly capable of. My mission is to empower people in recovery to embrace their authentic selves live up to their true potential and answer the question, what lies beyond recovery for you? Hey guys, thank you so much for joining me today. Now, for all you people in recovery that are listening out there or have recovered from something, you know, did you ever feel in the beginning like you just kind of went into shock like, oh my god, I'm not going to be able to drink or use And I have no idea how I'm going to be able to function in life. You know, like, I literally remember thinking, how am I going to numb the pain? How am I going to celebrate, right? Because everything every I I always found reasons to celebrate and get loaded. And I just remember thinking, you know, instead of I'm just going to take this thing one day at a time, you know, my life will never be full of, you know, joyful, happy moments again, like, how am I gonna have fun? Um, And it was that it was interesting, because at the end, it wasn't fun, you know, I wanted to end my life, I didn't want to exist anymore, because I had just destroyed everything. And, you know, I was very thankful that I had some very solid friendships, um, still, but I really, really didn't know how I was going to cope moving forward. And That's why I'm really excited to bring you today's guest because she is an absolutely amazing woman and she just focuses on bringing joy to the lives of others. So we get to hear her story, you know, how things went when she decided that she needed to stop and what life is like for her today. And it just goes along so well with what I talk about on this show that you know, through our addiction, through our adversity, we can actually take that experience and we can become anything we want. You know, we've, um, I actually just interviewed a guest recently that had mentioned, you know, sobriety is a superpower. So I want you guys all to think about that, right? If you're clean and sober, like sobriety can literally be your superpower. And that is no different for my guest today. Yo, elam she's amazing um she actually we're going to be collaborating on some stuff coming really quickly here she's a health life and fitness coach and this woman just has the most amazing energy i mean it's just it's so contagious you're gonna love her Um, before we get into the show i just want to let you guys know i have a new referral program i'm super pumped about this It is refer.fm forward slash recovery. If you go on there, I will also leave a link in the show notes. If you refer the show out to five friends, you'll get a free coaching call, discovery call with me. And if you refer to 10 friends, and they sign up and subscribe to the show, then you will get a free copy, a print copy of my book, Beyond Recovery. So if you head on over to refer.fm forward slash recovery, you can go on there, pick your favorite episode, share it out to your friends. Five of them join, you get a free coaching call. 10 of them join, I will send you a copy of my print book, Beyond Recovery. So let's get into today's episode. I talked to my friend Yolanda, known as Yo, and like I said, she's just got this amazing energy. I know you guys are going to love her, but we talk about her transformation. She is really into health as well, and which was a huge part of my own transformation. I was 215 pounds when I got sober. I lost 75 pounds that first year. Now, the interesting thing is, you know, I'm going to be talking about uh, cross addictions here soon, but, you know, I, I don't know if you can relate, but there's so many different aspects of addiction. And of course, once we quit one thing, we replace it with something else. And health was definitely that replacement for me. Um, so Yo and I talk about all this kind of stuff. We talk about how she got sober. So let's get into it. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back, everyone. I am really excited today, like so excited. I have my good friend, Yo, hanging out with me. She's a health coach, a life coach, and a fitness coach. And she has the most amazing energy out of anybody I've ever met. And so that's why I'm so excited. Thank you for being here, Yo. Thank you
1: for having me tomorrow, sister
0: from another mister. I'm so excited. You guys are going to get, if you're looking for motivation and energy, you're going to get it today. So listen to this over and over and over when you're feeling tired or unmotivated or drained. So why don't we start off getting to know you? Why don't you tell us a bit about what was life growing up like for you? You know, how did you kind of get to where you are today?
1: Ooh, awesome start. All right, let me see. Well, I'm a country girl. I was born and raised in Waco, Texas. That is a suburb uh well actually it's about an hour and a half from dallas i currently live in cedar hill a suburb of dallas but waco is about an hour and a half away i literally grew up in the country where cows walked down my streets i had chickens in the backyard i had pigs back in the back i had to slop the trough i had to pick the eggs and i'm one of three girls so i'm the center got a tattoo two of three and i used to always hate that because i had no brothers to bring their friends home and I was a fast looker. girl. I wanted some boys at the house. Um, my mother um, is, um, she's still living, praise God. She's in her 70s right now. I have a biological father that passed away uh, 2000 and 2008. And then my stepfather, who I really called my father, he passed away three years ago. And um, so let me see, what else can I say about me? Oh my God, Uh, fast forward to elementary school. Um, I went to regular old public school system. My grandmother was actually a custodian at one of my schools. And I believe that's how I got into education because I was always at the campus with her. Um, I guess I hate to use the term bully, but I was pretty picked up when I was in elementary school um, because I always had hand-me-downs. My sister's clothes were my clothes. I never had anything of my own, so that I don't want to say bullying because I don't want to deal with all the stuff that comes with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then um, same thing in middle school, I was trying to find my place and who I was. So I knew everyone. I was always good at building relationships because I was that girl that had all the friends because I knew everybody, but I wasn't like well liked, like super popular. But fast forward to high school. um God, that's where I met my now husband, then boyfriend. Chris and I have been together for 32 years. Yeah, 32. I know. I know. Black don't crack. I got married when I was 10. No, (laughs) not really. I got married at 18. (laughs) (laughs) I got married at 18 years old. So I met Chris when I was a sophomore in high school, and um, he's now my man, still my baby. And I went to, because I couldn't play sports um, back in the day, I don't know how old you are, those of you who are listening, but we used to do these scoliosis tests where you go into the um, dressing room, girls, and you had to bend over to your toes and the lady put a pencil down your back and to see if you were like straight with your spine. And I had a slight curvature or whatever. So my mom would not let me pl- participate in sports. I really wanted to be a cheerleader, but I couldn't do that for that. But I finally convinced her to let me play volleyball um, when I was in middle school. So I played a semester of that. and But I couldn't do the sport thing, so I went the nerdy route. So I did things like clubs and I ran for officers I was the junior class vice president, the pep club president. I made the homecoming court, <laughs> you know, and um, I ended up being senior class president. And this is our high school. So I got married. Am I talking too much tomorrow? I keep going. I'm going on and on. Keep about. going, sister. Keep going. I got married to Chris at eight. I was pregnant, but we had been together for two and a half years. Like I said, I met him when I was a sophomore in high school he was a college student you know I had to go outside of my my area because that's the kind of girl I was and so he was a college, a college man and uh, so we got married when I was 18 I was pregnant with our first child but that ambition in me never never stopped so I went to college and I went I was pregnant at East Texas State University back in 1991 and I was about a buck old 05 in size and people could not believe that I was a married woman with a child in my stomach And I was, and um, so I had Junior, he's now 28. I had him in 92. I went back to school for a little while and um, got pregnant again with Ashley. And I had Ashley in 94, she's now 26. And then I went back to school again because I was determined to become something. I was determined to do something with my life. So I went back to school again and I got pregnant again. (laughs) And I had Desmond in 96 and he's now 24. And out of those three children, I have five grandkids. I got five grandkids. Um, Jerome is six. He's the oldest. Right behind him is Chloe, the three months apart. She's also six. Then Naomi is three. And Riley is one. And Reina, who was just born, will be two months on Christmas. One grandson and four granddaughters. And um, so, yeah, I got, so as, as I was in school, I got all those degrees and, and thought that education was my thing so I went into teaching which it was I've been a public school teacher for 20 years I currently teach Spanish to 8th graders um, in middle school so I think I'm gonna pause for a minute to take a breath and to let you ask me some questions cause I, cause I can go <laughs> talk about myself all day long I keep going on and on and on you know, you think you're ready for something, and then you get on and you be like, wait a minute, what am I doing? I had all set <laughs> in my mind. Okay, I'm talking a little bit about being from Waco. I'm talking a little bit. Then all of a sudden it just bombed me, just worried about me. I just, just kept on bladding. And you are going to
0: see Yo more and more in my world as well, because we um, connected through a challenge. Of course, we love participating in our challenges. and. um Yo and I have talked about working together and doing some lives within the groups and just kind of trying to really help people find their purpose in life because both of us are very passionate. Yo's also a speaker, so she could probably teach me a thing or two. But one of the things and I love that okay, first of all. I know that people won't see the visual, like the, the you know, us on camera. This woman does not look like she has five grandchildren. The first time I heard her say, yeah, I'm just going to go play with my grandchildren. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? So you're, y- you will see her and you'll, you'll probably do the same thing as I did. But one of the things we have in common is we loved our alcohol. We loved you our party. So... Why don't you tell us about that? You know, how did what how did your drinking career right? Because I'm a retired professional now. Yes, ma'am. How did your drinking career start? And then when did you realize you had a problem?
1: Wonderful, wonderful question. Let me see. I can go way back to when I was 16 years old and we were visiting. We being my my stepdad, my mom, my two sisters were visiting his family in Detroit, Michigan. And it's the first time I've been around some cousins that are around my age and we all snuck down to my cousins, older cousins, the adult cousins basement. And they had those little small liquor bottles, you know, and they had a whole little bar. And I drank, I don't know how many, enough for me to have to crawl up the stairs that night. And I laid on the floor and I and I thought I was gonna like barf and hurl and be sick and nothing happened to me. Like I woke up the next day like, oh wow, what was that I drank? That's nothing. And then fast forward to about eighteen, nineteen, my husband was always not a heavy drinker, but he wanted to hang out and chill for a little while, you know, so he would get a beer and he invited me to have a cooler. And at the time, that was good. I could have two coolers and be like, oh, wow, this is amazing. I like this. And I just kept my taste, my, my tolerance, everything just kept growing. I just wasn't, it, it took less, it took more for me to get to what I call my buzz level, right? And then eventually I had no buzz level. I began to start drinking for the sole purpose of get. can I cuss? Oh, for the totally. sole purpose of getting fucked up. That, that's, that's, that's what happened. I think I was about 24, 25 years old that I started getting into the heavier drinks. Uh, you know, like I went from coolers to amaretto sours and mm-hmm. hurricanes and daiquiris. You know, it was the cute stuff and they were alcohol in it. But my favorite was the Long Island iced tea because oh. those of you who still drink, they had them seven liquors in it. I was always hell bent on what can I get that has the strongest amount to give me to that, that fucked up level. Oh. And that was mid twenties. Uh, and then I, you know, I didn't really get into the insatiable taste of it until about 30, 35, 40. And I just, I started trying to cut back. Uh, I thought that maybe if I just didn't drink the hard stuff, you know, so cut back on my browns and do two whites. And that still didn't matter. And then I eventually, my last DOC, my last drink of choice was wine. Uh, Wine was my BFF. And it didn't help that it was always on the fucking, I mean, sorry, always on the TV shows that I watched. Yeah. You know, it didn't help that Olivia Pope had her big old-ass glass of wine on Scandal. It didn't help that every girlfriend episode, they had two or three glasses of wine to talk about their problems and have their good times. And so I just resonated with, oh, okay, so wine is it? Wine is it? And I um, would drink. And I would, I, <laughs> I didn't know how much money I spent on wine until I finally stopped. I realized I was spending at least a couple of hundred dollars every other week on wine bottles and wine boxes. And my daughter started drinking with me when she was 21 years old. Mm -hmm. And she and I became drinking buddies for the last three or four years. Like I said, she's 26. And I started my recovery process. My last drink was March 11th, 2019. So as she's been drinking with me for the longest time, And um, I'll tell you a story about that in a second if I get a chance. But um, so it was March 11, 2019, that I I had tried to stop drinking once in in 2017, and I made it six months. Um, If you know anything about recovery, I was dry drunk. That means that I just was not drinking. I wasn't recovering. I wasn't doing anything to live my life. I was just trying not to drink. So I did not drink for six months, and I thought that was cool, and I thought I was strong enough, so I started drinking again on my six-month anniversary, and I uh, spiraled out. I spiraled out over the next year and a half. and The drinking increased. It, it stayed intense. I just kept doing it for no reason. It was an effing day. It wasn't whether really it was a good day, a bad day, if the word end in day. I drank, mm-hmm. and it was a habit, and it was a need, and I I couldn't stop. And so March 11, 2019, I was coming in for my regular routine. And it was a Thursday night because I know scandal or how to get away with murder was coming on. So I walked in my kitchen, I prepped my wine glass. My, dr- my drink at the time was Berenger White Merlot, 14.5%. <laughs> it was all about the percentage. It was mm-hmm. all the percentage. I didn't care for that 9% crap. What is that, all That ain't drinking, it's Kool-Aid. And so I had, to, I had to have that powerful, that potency. And so I poured the glass of wine. And um, I went into the living room and sat on the couch. The wine was on the coffee table, and as I sat there waiting for the show to start, I started to literally have a conversation with the wine glass that was in front of me, like the way I'm talking to tomorrow right now. Mm-hmm. I started talking to it, and I and I just told it that I was sick of it. I was tired of it. I was tired of what it was doing. I was tired of how I was feeling. I lied to my husband. My daughter coming to rescue me so I don't drink too much alone. I was just tired. So tired. And I I tried so hard. I think harder than I ever had that night. I cried, I prayed. And I, I couldn't, I could not pick up the glass. I just could not pick it up. And I I drank that glass. I drank the rest of that bottle. I drank the reserve bottle in the corner of the kitchen counter and I took about 20 anxiety medication pills because that Friday morning I didn't want to wake up and I think that was probably my fourth suicide attempt in my drinking career because I thought it was something wrong with me I thought that I was weak and immature and I wasn't strong enough to stop or quit and I tried to convince myself oh well I'm just a heavy drinker you know I did all the mental stuff and all the physical stuff to stop. And I just couldn't, I just couldn't. And I ended up in the emergency room that night. I ended up in rehab the next 45 days. And when I was there, whoo y'all, ha! When I was in that rehab, I found out that I have the disease of alcoholism. And it wasn't me! (laughs) It it wasn't me. I it was like a weight was lifted. And I was like, what? Wait, I have a disease. You know, like cancer and heart disease and hypertension. There's no cure, but I could have I can treat it. And it just it opened my eyes up to such a point where I was like, I'm amazed that I can have this life I have now, which is joyous. And peace and and free because I realize that what I have has nothing to do with who I am. you know alcoholism is my disease, but it doesn't define who I am. I am an alcoholic, but that goes into the definition of alcoholism. And so that's, that's, that's where I am right now. I feel like I went too long again tomorrow. Go ahead and ask me some questions.
0: You can, you can talk as long as you want. I love hearing your story and I love what you're doing today. So you take all the time you need. But I remember feeling that too. Like I, my bottom, when I decided to stop digging was sitting on the floor with my dog with a bottle of pills in my hand and going, I can't do this anymore. I'm tired of hurting other people. I don't know why. Like I remember my best friend and, you know, i just come out of a blackout and I was, she's like, why do you keep doing this to yourself? And I'm like, I don't know, I wanna stop. And I, with all sincerity, I meant that. But then of course, people watching me do it again and again, they're like, well, she's lying, right? She obviously doesn't wanna give it up, but it's not true. And a lot of people who have never experienced addiction like that before, they don't understand that it's not something we want to put ourselves through. It's something that if we don't put it down, we we continue to do that right we do the same thing over and over expecting different results and it was really refreshing for me too to go oh my god I have a disease right and it's what I want to bring light to because a lot of people there's still a stigma around addiction alcoholism and It bothers me today because there's a lot of people that are like, ah, you know, they they have a choice, right? They can get off the street or they can do that. It's so powerful. And I mean, if you've ever struggled with food and maybe you haven't struggled with alcoholism, it's the same thing. Well, why do you keep stuffing the donut in your mouth or eating the stuff that makes you feel terrible as a human being? Because we're addicted to things that give us pleasure. And for you and I, that's alcohol, right? It was. It was. What was um early recovery um for you like? Because I know I had to do a lot of self-discovery and a lot of ownership <laughs> on my life.
1: Early recovery for me was really just like going to school. Um, you know, I just had to go back to the basics to the beginning. Uh I I remember when I got out of the, the main rehab, it it was I it was I tell people like, and no, I say it jokingly, but it's something, one thing about being an alcohol versus being an addict. I mean, it's both addictions. We both have our problems. Don't I don't disrespect my addict friends at all. But to me, you got to go through a whole hell of a lot, a little bit more, to get that drug. Like, you know, I can't just go to the damn Walmart and get some crack. You know, I can't, I can't go to the street to the corner store and get some heroin and cocaine. But wine, liquor, it's everywhere. And so it was, at the beginning, it was really hard just to convince my mind to say, hey, like I told my kids when they were growing up about cursing, it's okay to see it, but I, be- it's okay to hear it, but you better not say it. So I had to tell myself, it's okay for me to see it, but I better not pick it up because I couldn't, I couldn't not see it. It was going to be everywhere I was. So early recovery was tough for that part of it. And then of course, you know, I tried a couple of, tw- I tried a 12-step program. I got pretty heavy into that. I went through what I feel like was, was I need to go through and I'm still in the middle of some 12-step recoveries so I believe in that process but my my early recovery saving grace was um the things I learned when I was in rehab um different things like play the tape forward I had to constantly remind myself that I don't drink like other people it's not it's, it's impossible mm-hmm. and I remember that even in my late stages of my what you call my PhD in drinking I never, I told that to be, I only drank to get fucked up. That was my hard purpose. Yeah. So what's the point of me having a glass of wine to test it out to see if I can still be that person because I never was that person. I am an alcoholic. I can't drink like that. I don't want to drink like that. A friend of mine recently at a meeting I was in, he um said, if somebody gave us these two pills, if you ever seen the matrix, you got the red pill and the blue pill and i forgot which one does what, but if you could take this one pill and you can never drink again and have the life you have now and time's ten with this joy, this peace, this this sense of connection to a higher power. Or take the other pill. And you can drink, but you'll drink like everybody else. And I had to really stop and think like, Ew, what's the point in the other pill? <laughs> Why would I want to just have a glass of wine or a beer or a shot of tequila? I can't stop it one. Mm-hmm. I can't stop it one. So I had to keep reminding myself of those kind of things in early recovery. And then I had to also keep moving forward because that's not going to be enough after a time. I've met people who have had sobriety for double digit years. They've they've had 13 years sober, 25 years sober, and they still relapse. And I feel like they do that. One of the reasons is because they didn't find something else to keep them going. You know, we have addict minds. We, We can get addicted to anything, you know, so we don't find something, not so much addiction where it's unhealthy but we still we have an insatiable desire to do something and do it like 125 percent on so i started i have to redirect the way i treat myself and the way i do things in my life but i feel like those who relapse and no disrespect to anybody who has but they're missing something still they're, they still haven't found that purpose they haven't found that drive they haven't found that that um dharma i learned that new word recently with a friend of mine i met and that's what i've been doing that's that's I guess that's mid recovery right now so I, I went past early now mid and post recovery is just more of what I'm doing right now I love what I'm doing I love Tamar for what she's doing I really right now I was telling my husband about her yesterday and I was reading the podcast that she was interviewed on I don't know how long ago it was but I was like oh my god take her name and I put mine that's me that's what I want I, I want I want to be able to reach people and and tell the story and break the stigmatism and let everybody know that hey you can you can have, you can really have it all and still be an alcoholic. It, it doesn't it doesn't stop us. If anything it I don't wanna say better us, but that's how I feel. Yeah. Because we've been through some shit. Like we have been through hell and back. Like she was saying. It's not a it's not the choice to be an, an alcoholic or an addict. We don't I didn't wake up and be like, Oh yeah, I think I'm gonna drink till I get till I throw up today. Yeah, that's my plan. <laughs> uh I'ma I'm go ahead and like black out and drive around with my kid, my grandkids in the car and just hope that I don't hit somebody like who really would choose that mm-hmm. we literally were insane and we physically could not stop yeah so yeah so that's early recovery that's mid recovery and I kind of hit on what I want to have post recovery and it's you know
0: I I love what you talk about with in terms of we have more of a purpose and that's something that I'm deeply passionate about right now, especially this last year with COVID hitting. I looked at it as an opportunity to do something more. And a lot of people got complacent. A lot of people, like you said, um, I think a lot of us alcoholics, we have so much more in us because like you said, we have experience, right? We've got doctors in, in alcoholism, right? we have been through some heavy stuff that we can use to teach other people. And I know that my first year was really great. I did a lot of self discovery. I learned prayer, meditation. I developed a relationship with God. Like there was all these things that I did, but after a year I was like, okay, good. I got this right. I am like, I'm recovered now. Things are good. I never thought that I could drink like a normal person because I got that. Like I play the tape through too, but, I always felt like I I had something more in me. I just didn't know what that was and I didn't know how to start. And so I got complacent. I started with the yo-yo dieting all over again. And I was doing these bad habits that I had picked right back up, right? And so I'm like, there's gotta be something more. And I'm like, I'm an all-in kind of person. Why can't I direct that into something positive, right? So I found, I started digging, I was like, what is my purpose? I am meant for more. And I started taking the steps and I know that you feel the same way too. So yes. when did you realize
1: that you had a greater purpose in life? Wow. Ooh, that's beautiful. You just, you, you spoke my words. I, I, my, for me, mine was, I, I know this addict mind is going to go 125% regardless of what I do. And so my, at first I, my chocolate, my, my yo-yo was chocolate. I, I, chocolate became my new wine. I was dropping $30 at the dollar store on chocolate, chocolate. And then, and then it was paydays. And then it was, um, like you said, there was always something that I was trying to replace because I hadn't found that passion yet. I hadn't found that purpose. I was still trying to discover who I was. And now I think it wasn't until really recently, uh, and it had to be that challenge you and I met in. It was really recent when I realized that my, my purpose is to use the pain and the misery and that dark pit that I was in for two decades to share that with as many people as I can, in hopes that they can avoid it. There's no—I know it a couple of times I heard people say things like, "Everybody's rock bottom is different," and that's true, but nobody's rock bottom should be death. It doesn't have to be, and that's—that's that's what this disease does. It kills us i had a friend um in rehab she committed suicide about two months out and i and she gave me something before we left rehab and i and every now and then if i even have a thought i go back and i'm like i go look at the rock and i have to remind myself this thing is not playing and 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 who and who am i to sit there and know that what i know and have seen what i've seen and not share it with somebody else I can't, I'm not, I'm not a savior and I ain't trying to be Jesus Christ or anything like that. But I know that this in me, God didn't put me through that for no reason. Mm -hmm. I didn't go through all that and get out of it for no reason. So it was about maybe this, this summer, right after COVID, when I started redirecting my life, when I started looking for my, what I call my own freedom, I started trying to figure out how can I be myself and still have a passion and, and help other people. So I started doing challenges and then I, that led me to another challenge, to another challenge, to another group, to, to today. So really, I think maybe two weeks ago, if not two days ago, I had the aha that my purpose is to share this story to other people in hopes that I can empower them to have more and to want more and get out of that bondage of alcoholism and addiction. That's, that's, that's what I'm called to do because mm-hmm. I speak on it too passionately. That's what I'm called to do. So yeah, girl, I discovered that a couple of days ago when you and I had the conversation. And like <laughs> I told you, I looked at I looked at your thing and I was like, all I want to do is take my tomorrow's name out, change a few things, you know, and put mine in there because I want to do what you're doing. Uh,
0: you're amazing. I, yeah, I can't It's amazing wait. to know amazing. <laughs> it sure does. Now, one of the things that I really learned is that you know when i getting out of your comfort zone right it's something i teach is we have our current our current reality right that we own we live it and we have our preferred reality what it is we want and we have this thing that's in between which is the resistance to change right it's getting out of that comfort zone and a lot of people myself included years ago i would be like okay i'm gonna try this new thing it's a shiny new bright object i'm really excited and then all of a sudden as soon as that like discomfort in my stomach it's almost like ooh, gut feeling this isn't right and I turn around and it didn't matter how miserable I was in my current reality I had troubles moving forward because of the discomfort right and so I've realized that that discomfort actually means growth and then I also keep hearing we're never really ready You know, like we're always going to justify the reasons that we're not ready. And, you know, we need to take action if it's something that aligns with your passion. That's why I'm so passionate about (laughs) teaching people how to discover their passion is because once you find that passion, you can start creating goals that align with that. You can start like you, you want to, you're working, you're a speaker, right? You're a coach. So tell us about that, like your world of coaching and how you're, you know, kind of evolving and you want to share your story now.
1: Wow. Okay, I, want to show, I want to touch on what you said about that discomfort really quickly. Yeah, that discomfort is what I've learned is that the growth and the joy and all the good stuff is on the other side of that. Yes. You know, it's, it's like the rainbow at the end of the storm. You know, the rain's got to come for you to see the rainbow. You know, you got to go through that dark term to get the light at the end of it. So I've learned that that when I get uncomfortable and I'm in a discomfort, I get a little excited. And, and, I, and I go ahead and I sit in it long enough to say, okay, I know what this is. That means I'm about to have a breakthrough. This discomfort is just a step closer to that discovery of the next thing. You know, the next, not even shiny thing, but the next best thing for who for me. So I just want to say that because I, I love the discomfort now. Uh, and then as far as me and my speaker, um, the challenge that you and I were in with Anthony Trucks, the Fail Forward Challenge, when Anthony gave us that task to figure out what our what is our dream? What is our, our goal? We wanted, you know, by the time we get finished that 14th day and mine was speaking. I'd always wanted to be a speaker since I was a little girl. I remember in the assembly in elementary school and somebody got on stage and they talked to us and everybody was clapping and it was all like, I was like, I want to do that. I want to be on stage and talk to people. And I got away with it, I think, indirectly through teaching for 20 years, because there was my own stage in my classroom. But When Anthony gave us that challenge, I went back to that little girl. I went back to that moment, that dream that I hadn't fulfilled yet. And so I set myself in place to start taking steps towards my speaking career. And after that challenge, like I said earlier, I fell into some other challenges, but it also led me to my speakers coach. And I was in a 90 day speakers program and I've created my signature talk. I've created my workshops. I've created my, you know, everything I need to launch my speaking career. But in addition to that, I love coaching. I love do what I've been doing as a teacher and a good friend and a mother and a spouse for 20 years. I just didn't know it was called coaching. So, and I used to think I had to pick between one or the other, but I don't. I don't have to do either or. I can have both and. And so that's what I'm doing now is working on both and. I'm going to continue to be a speaker. I'm going to continue to share my message and my story. And I'm also going to be able to bring people in with me closer in small groups and one-on-one interactions to coach them to wherever there is wherever there is now to where they wanna be later. Mm -hmm. That's how I got that started, because of challenges, because of of you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that was a phenomenal challenge. I actually remember during that challenge, he's like, "Tomorrow, what are you gonna do? What's something big you're gonna do? And I'm like, I'm gonna write my story. I'm gonna write my book. And he's like, okay, by when? I said, August. He's like, okay, make it happen, girl and I actually published July 14th, (laughs) right? (laughs) Because I just, I'm like, and for me, I had kind of shared my story a little bit right here and there, but I'd never gotten really vulnerable. And I realized during that challenge, I remember because we would do the Zoom meetings beforehand, and everybody was sharing what they went through right and people were being really vulnerable and then i was like yeah this is how it is you know i'm i'm an alcoholic and blah 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 and it was so high level and i learned from that challenge to become more vulnerable and to become more you know i wouldn't say i wasn't authentic but i think i didn't realize it if i really got into the meat of my story like I went through Weight Watchers in my mid twenties and I could have killed myself, you know, like I did so many just crazy ass things and i never shared about that kind of stuff. And so writing Hope Elevated, I was, I had to go see my therapist a few times because I'm like, Oh, I didn't even realize that I did this. And you know, some stuff started to come up, but how do you, cause I know you're passionate about helping people find their authentic selves. How do you do that?
1: Um, Well, I'm getting ready to create my uh, group and I'm sticking with the title right now. Define your you like define you, Uh, because so many people, when you get asked the question, who are you? By default, it's what you do. You know, I'm a teacher, I'm a mother, I'm a coach, I'm a this. But that's not who you are. Um, And I and I feel like once we get deep enough and figure out how do we become who we are based upon where we came from, where we are now, where we want to be. So that's one thing I'm going to do is create my Facebook group. And then when I'm talking to people, when I talk to people, I feel like I'm running my own podcast. Because when I talk to you, I get really deep, really quick. You know, we start off with, hey, how's the weather? The weather's well, beautiful. You know, how was your day today? Oh, it was okay. I'll oh, tell you about that. You know, why is it just okay? Why is it not great? You know, just the simple start of a conversation. I like to get people to start asking themselves the, the questions that make them feel. You know? And then because well, once you start feeling... You start doing, and once you start doing, you begin to believe. And once you believe, things start to happen that helps you walk into your purpose. So that's what I'm doing right now. is the Facebook group, I'm running challenges um, because I really believe in authenticity. Like you said, um, and authenticity doesn't necessarily mean always being completely honest, you know? You do wanna be completely honest with yourself, but it doesn't mean you gotta tell your whole story to everybody. I've learned that lots of different ways. As you can tell you, I can tell you all about my infidelities. I can tell you about um, my thieving days. I can tell you that stuff. and But everybody doesn't have to know all of that to be able to experience me. So I had to learn that. So authenticity doesn't mean you're very bombing bomb your whole life. Because sometimes that scares people away. But you do want to be authentic to yourself always. You want to always be honest with yourself. When you look in the mirror, you see all of that beautiful you and that ugly you at the same time. You look deep in that mirror and you see the good, the bad and the ugly, and you tell yourself, it's okay. I love who I am. I love the fact that i I love the fact that I did some crazy shit as an alcoholic. I love that I can look at myself and go, oh, well, you cheated your husband. What did you said, what happened to me? Like, damn, what's wrong with you? That's how I used to feel with the guilt and the shame. Now it's like, yeah, I own it and I gave it away. You know, I finally let God take over all that stuff that I was trying to hold on to. He is my spiritual awakening. He is my higher power. He is my creator. And I finally realized, I think I'm, I think I'm, I think I'm bird walking, but it's a good point. I finally realized that there is strength in being weak. Because yeah, the weaker we are, the stronger we allow God to be. If you think about it, like if you think you got this, even a little bit, you, you, you disservicing the opportunity to let him get out of it. I love to wake up and be like, you know what? I, sh- I ain't got shit. I ain't got nothing. Like you, you can just best me out. I used to be, at one point in my life, i wake up in the morning and be like, God, whatever you need me to do, I just want to be like an empty shell and you direct me. What clothes you want me to put on? What shoes you want me to put on for the day? Who you want me to talk to at work? I just, I really had to own up that I'm not strong trying to be independent. I'm not strong trying to be you know, everything that I think I'm supposed to be as a wife, as a mother, as a coach, as a teacher, it's strength in me admitting that I'm nothing without God. That's strong. Strong people ask for help. Strong people seek support. It's not the opposite. And that's what I've thought for years. And now that I don't think that way, my life is opening up and I'm about to score. I don't know if you know about angel numbers, but I learned about that recently and I keep seeing the damn 555s. And it's supposed to mean that my my world is changing, and and I and I'm in awakening state, or I'm in a, a phoenix state of mind, or something. So, yeah, I just had to say that. that, that. <laughs> I do not know if you asked me. I think you said asked me about coaching authenticity. intensity, and I ended up talking about God and being weak and strong.
0: <laughs> I love it though because you know I. Talking about like limiting beliefs and that negative self talk, if I own that, right, there are still times today like food. Food, I'm, I love food. I'm passionate about food, but I also can let food control things sometimes, right? It, I lose control again. And I am okay to admit at the things I'm scared of, you know, like Facebook Lives still something i'm not super comfortable with people now on the other end would probably be like are you serious like you're lying no i will sit here and look at my phone and go okay deep breaths deep breaths you got this girl you have a message you have your passion and i let my passion lead me but with my clients when we're talking and they're telling me about what they're struggling, I'm like, you know what, I'm going through the same thing. Because there are days, especially in this entrepreneur world and Mm -hmm. journey, I'm meeting so many amazing people. I'm Mm -hmm. learning so many things. But there Mm -hmm. are mornings where I'm like, I'm really struggling today. Like Mm -hmm. I know in my heart, I'm doing the right things. I'm heading in the right direction. Things are working out. I am riding the high of discomfort that feels yeah. so good now, but to be able to be authentic, to say, I struggle the same as you do. I think that almost gives you more credibility because my clients are like, really? It's like, mm-hmm. I'm not superhuman. Like, seriously, nope. I'm just
1: like you. That's beautiful. And imagine if, if more of the world could do that, could be that because share, like I said, their vulnerability—that is such a powerful word. I ran from that word for so many years. Yeah. I was like, I don't be vulnerable. What's that for? You gotta see all of me. I'm not gonna fish share all that. I'm not gonna cry. I'm not gonna feel. There is so much power in vulnerability, and it's not just for yourself. That is the kind of thing. It's like a magnet. It attracts other people's. It attracts other opportunities for other people to be vulnerable. And I think if the world would adapt vulnerability. And take away these shields, these walls, and these masks. We, it just would be a better world. Mm-hmm. You know, it just would be a better world to say, like, hey, you know, I'm it's, it's, like, if you think about it, I have this thing you now. People be like, how you doing? And they're like, oh, I can't complain. I'm like, sure you can. <laughs> you know, it's just like by default. I can't complain. Sure you can. You are choosing not to, like, acknowledge that you're choosing not to complain because you can You know, it's not this cookie cutter way of like, oh, it's wonderful outside. Like, how you doing? I'm not good today. But can you imagine somebody responded that way to you? How are you? today? oh, I'm not well. You be like shocked. Like, will oh, do it am I a therapist? Do I talk too much? But that's just the a chance to say like, I'm not well today. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that person next time can respond the same way to somebody else if that's how they feel. Versus trying to walk around with this. Oh, I'm good. I'm fine. It's just instant. How you doing? I'm fine. How you doing? I'm good. Everything okay? It's wonderful. Lies, just lies. Unless you are doing good. But yeah, that's another. I'm sorry. Bird walked again. <laughs> and, and when you do that though you're like screaming
0: inside going, I'm just dying to tell this person that I'm not okay. I just need to have a good cry. And I think the difference, and I learned this in early sobriety was that I'm not actually burdening somebody. If I say, listen, can we talk? I'm not okay. Like I learned it's okay to not be okay, but the difference comes in is when you continually focus on what you don't want in your life, you keep getting that. So it's different for me to say, call you up and say, yo, I am just a mess today. I don't know why my head is going off, telling me all these lies, like I don't know what to do. And then you going, okay, have you tried this and this and this, like being solution focused and shifting back to what it is you do want
1: because we are what we think. Right, yes we are. as we are and there's nothing and i think a lot of people too is they take us to the extreme like it's okay to have a bad i don't even call them bad days like i'll be be like oh i had a bad day i'm like really your entire 24 7 your entire 24 hours was horrible yeah (laughs) nothing good today a bad day like you might have had a a bad moment you know you spilled your coffee that's a moment um your kid threw something and cut you out that's a moment that's not a full day but we're so used to just generalizing oh i had a bad day today damn 24 hours i and then you keep having bad days because the mentality of what you're saying, you know, can you imagine trying to rewind an entire day where you can just rewind a moment? That was a bad moment. Okay. Own it. Do what you need. Get what you need from it. Let's move forward. Don't keep revisiting the moments and don't keep revisiting the days. So I think what you were saying about, about uh, oh, damn, I lost my train of thought. God dog it. Hey, <laughs> when that happens, <laughs> it'll come back. If it's important, to come back. It will. And we're going
0: to have you in the group. Like we're, we're sharing your love because you do like, I hope you guys are feeling this energy right now. And I think it's important to always focus on your purpose and your passion in life, right? When you start to become forward, future thinking, you spend less time thinking about the past. And we are so often chained to our past. We allow that to define us. And I love the fact that you're not doing that anymore.
1: No, I don't. And what and what I wasn't doing at all is I wasn't visiting the past at all, and that was wrong.
0: Yeah.
1: Now I've gone back to it. I got what I needed from it, and and because I couldn't be, what is it? The gift is the thing on the point. Um, the past is the, today's the present because it's a gift, right? Because you can't be in the future, you can't be in the past. So the present today is a gift, but you still need the past to become to get to the present. So I don't discount my past. You know, I don't wish you the door on it. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I don't, I don't live there and I don't stay there. And that's where depression comes from. Yeah, and right. I, I don't, I can't be depressed. I yeah. choose not to. That's a choice. That is a choice because if you want to stay in that past and relive those things that made you feel, who wants to feel that way? And a lot of people choose because they don't know. You can choose the opposite of that. Yeah. You can choose joy. I did a challenge one time called choosing joy. You can choose joy every day. Something as simple as, what's your favorite color? Let's say it's blue. You can wake up one day and say, I'm going to wear blue today. And every time I see blue, I'm going to remind myself, why it's my favorite color? You know how I many times you can have a good thought throughout the day? It's not a blue things, or black things, or white things, or orange things, or purple things. Unless you have a color like fuchsia. You might have a little struggle with fuchsia. <laughs> <laughs> or teal. Yeah, I don't know. But you get my point. You can do little things like that to to redirect your mind if it goes back to the past or to anything negative for too long. You do want to feel what you're feeling, just don't stay there. Yeah. It's it's, it's unhealthy, it's unhealthy. And I'm not doing it anymore. And I feel so great. I feel so great.
0: Well, you can hear it in your voice. I mean, it's really obvious. And I know that from the first time we chatted, we totally connected. I love what you're doing. That's right, that's right. So you guys are going to be hearing more from Yo. She's going to be, you know, we're going to be collaborating and stuff. And we're really want to spread this message. So if people mm-hmm. want to learn more about you or follow you on social media, where can they get
1: a hold of you? You can reach me on my Facebook page. It's Yo Sadler Elam, S-A-D-L-E-R. I also have an email. It's loveyolife2020 at gmail.com. Everything else I'm working on. Yes. But you can reach out to tomorrow if you need me. But yo, Sadler Elam and love your life 2020 at gmail.com. You are going to do
0: some amazing things, my friend. Amazing. And I love you so much. I love you too. Thank you so much for being on this show. Thank you for having me. I love
1: y'all. Mwah. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I got to leave you with a joke. I okay. Gotta leave with a joke. That's right. Wait, real quick. Okay. So, oh, I got this one yesterday. <laughs> are you ready? Here it goes. So what do you call an old snowman what what do you call an old snowman water
0: (laughs) (laughs) i love you my friend (laughs) thank you for ending off the show like that that was perfect well i hope you enjoyed that episode Like I said, Yo has such amazing energy. She loves to tell jokes. She loves to make people laugh and she does such an amazing job with it. And here's the thing, right? When you discover your purpose and you find what you're truly meant to do, life gets really, really good. Don't get me wrong, there's still some very tough times to navigate through, but that's why it's so incredibly important to build that solid foundation in early recovery so that you can handle the ebbs and flows of life. But I'm telling you, once you discover that purpose beyond recovery, right, the life that, you know, we've been given this opportunity to live a life so good that we never want to go back to our old way of living and it takes work but it is such an amazing life and I hope that you know if any of you are listening and you're new in recovery I know it'll be hard to see right now and trust me I was there I remember hearing people talk about their lives and I'm like that's never going to be me right like that you're different um but I can tell you from experience that uh, I hear the same thing today. You know, a lot of people who are newer have that same feeling and um, it just shifts over time. You start to gain that belief in your own ability to change and you start to just discover a better life. And it's truly amazing. So like I mentioned, I have a bonus for you today. I run weekly free workshops and I've actually added to them. It is the Purpose to Empowerment Workshop First, I'm gonna teach you a concept that has completely changed my life. You've heard me talk about it on the show before. It's Ikigai, which means your reason for being, the reason you wake up in the morning, and then we're gonna dive into some concepts that will teach you what it takes to excel in life, I explain why most people don't, how to beat procrastination and get more done in less time, and how important it is to create that future vision so we stop living in the past. So if you're interested, head on over to my website. It's absolutely free. Space is limited. I do run them twice a week. It is www.theroadforward.ca forward slash purpose dash purpose empowerment or you can go to the first page on the roadforward.ca scroll down about halfway and just click on the purpose to empowerment workshop and i'll see you there but until next time stay safe out there thanks for listening to another episode of the road beyond recovery did you know that our dreams can become a reality when you determine your purpose in life and you allow that purpose to guide you anything is possible. It just takes action. Don't wait until you're ready. Start to create the life you were truly meant to live right now. I am super passionate about my mission to help people live up to their true potential. So if you want to learn more, check out my website at www.theroadforward.ca and until next week, keep exploring what lies beyond recovery for you.